0: Welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff.
1: Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I will be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how you doing? It's been a long offseason
0: man season two uh it's been a wild off season absolutely we are under uh a whole bunch of different things and uh i know we did a podcast back in the late spring but it's good to officially start season two uh caleb everything going well with you
1: yeah we're doing good you know we've been basically staying at home as much as possible obviously with covid still going around you know last time we talked it basically was in its infancy you know late april Mm -hmm. early may and here we are almost five months later and it's still going strong unfortunately and for me i'm you know i'm no i'm working for home from home at least the rest of the year Mm -hmm. so i know it's going to last a little while longer at least so how about you
0: yeah i mean you know lb and i we've been following through on these social distancing guidelines we wear our masks in public and um we both will be teaching virtually this year. We're both working in our school buildings, but we will be teaching through uh, Google meet seesaw, which is a, an educational app and uh, all those different ways. So it's definitely a, a new challenging for sure. As especially as we are, you know, getting ready to welcome our son into the world. Uh, very excited about that in November. That way uh, you won't be the only parent on this podcast. We can kind of like commiserate on, on parenthood together and mm-hmm. obviously celebrate. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, Quinn's all good, you know?
1: Yeah, she's doing great. She's, you know, about 10 and a half months now. She loves uh, crawling everywhere. She's trying all these, you know, new and different foods, and she loves pretty much everything. And, you know, she's happy 99% of the time, so it's it's good for her. She, obviously, she doesn't get to meet as many people as I'm sure a normal baby would at this age with all the COVID restrictions in place, and she's not a huge fan of masks. She tries to pull ours down when we have them on out in public sometimes, but <laughs> other than that, she's doing good.
0: Nice. Well, you know, we had the opportunity to see each other uh, this past week during my wife's baby shower, and uh, it was good to spend some time with, with you and her and to... Uh, you know, see her just mowing through some, some veggie straws or, or cheese puffs. Uh, It's like, yeah, there, there's a girl with an appetite. Good stuff, Quinn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So outside of, you know, like personal life stuff too, we've been constantly going back and forth on the Twitter sphere and uh, DMing each other, even just texting back and forth about a lot of the different ways that COVID 19 has been, has been impacting college football. And as we've been wrestling about like, when do we want to start up for the new season Um, we've, we've just seen a lot of different things happening. And so Caleb, I'm thinking as I look at our show notes here, you know, we can kind of break down what's happening in each of the the major conferences and, uh, you know, just move on from there.
1: Yeah, so let's start with Penn State's conference, the Big 10 We're a Penn State conf- uh podcast here. And mm-hmm. um, we know they're not playing at least for now. They said that um when they when they first did the vote, they said they're going to postpone to the spring, but rumors have been swirling lately. First of uh, you know, a potential Thanksgiving start, now maybe looking at a late October. I think I even heard something like October 10th, which would be, you know, just barely mm-hmm. over a month away. So you know, I'm sure we'll hear something soon official about a, a Big Ten start, probably I would think before the new year at this point. I mean, with all the pressure from the students, from the parents, from even the coaches, you know, it wasn't a unanimous vote. Um, from mm-hmm. what I heard, it was an eleven to three vote with Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa, the three that are dissenting. But we've heard some vocal ones, including James Franklin, just, you know, asking for why did they um postpone the start of the football season when three other group of our major power five conferences get to keep going on and, you know, start their season as normal, or maybe just a couple week delay.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's such a tough thing to balance too, because, you know, we, we have somehow managed to politicize a disease or an illness that has currently no cure. And, you know, I get it. Most of the people that get this are, are going to survive and they're, they're going to be able to make full recoveries. But if we have the opportunity to mitigate this virus for now, you know, why don't we do it and, and save as many lives as possible? Now, that being said, as well, we've seen sports organizations that have done this with a, a great degree of success, like the NBA with their bubble system that they put in place. You know, they, they're able to have a season and go into the playoffs. Uh, once the once Major League Baseball finally worked out this mess with the, with the Marlins and the Cardinals, they were able to move on for the most part unencumbered the NFL looks like they're having a great deal of success in mitigating the virus. So I have to think that at the collegiate level, you know, there is a way to be able to monitor this and and support it. You know, college football is one of the main revenue streams for a lot of these universities. And so I, I kind of wonder what is going to be uh, the impact on these institutions. And I know Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the big 10 has been getting a lot of flack. And honestly, I'm at first, I was like, "Yeah, he totally deserves all of it." And, and truthfully, as as the lead, as the quote unquote leader of the Big Ten, he does he does deserve it. Um, but I. Like, I don't know. I I recognize it's a difficult decision, but I think that there would have been a way if he would have been more collaborative with others for this to have been able to to occur. And that's why we're seeing guys like Micah Parsons, Sean Clifford. That's why we're seeing uh, Pat Fryermuth. That's why we're seeing like Shaka sister and, uh, and other players and, and family members speaking up about this season. I think even Sean Clifford's dad sent out some tweets wanting to do it because if you can do it safely, it's it's worth doing, you know. that what America needs right now is a, is a distraction from constantly hearing about COVID nineteen, COVID nineteen. So if there's a way to do it safely, we we got to do that. Caleb, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, NBA and NHL they're doing great in their bubbles, and obviously that's not possible for mm-hmm. for sports like the NFL, MLB, and even college football. So. While those are great and they're working out, you know, just as they are intended to, you know, we can't really look at those. But the NFL, I think we're down to four people right now that are on the COVID list in the, in the entire NFL, and they're still, you know, in, in their, um, in their uh, preseason mode, even though they're not doing preseason games. So most teams have about 80 players on their roster right now. I think mm-hmm. that's the maximum they're allowed this year. So 80 players times the 32 teams are talking about 2,500 total players and only four of them right now are positive for COVID-19. So, yeah. So even though there's no bubble for them, even though they're, you know, a little more free to go and do what they want, they're following the rules. They want to earn their money. They want to earn their paycheck. They want to play football and they're doing the best they can to stay COVID free and, you know, get the season going as great as possible. And I think a lot of college players would would do exactly the same thing.
0: And I wonder what this decision is going to do long-term regarding the status of these organizations or the, the status of these schools in the Big 10 and will that affect like future recruiting because if something happens and let's say we start the season later but we have schools like ones in the SEC or elsewhere playing that put up amazing numbers and amazing stats are high schoolers going to really quickly jump to those schools and commit to them because they haven't seen the Big 10 play they haven't seen how the coaches interact i mean that's my concern is or that's one of my concerns i should say as we look forward so again i'm not in love with kevin warren's decision i get that it's tough and i get that the that the schools voted 11 to 3 on it but i i think that vote was made because the the big 10 the conference really failed at finding a sustainable way to make football happen this year
1: yeah and I understand there was tough, you know, at the very beginning when players started coming back, Rutgers had that outbreak, you know, a lot of players had had tested positive as soon as they were coming back and, and starting practice and what was it, Michigan or Michigan State? I think it was Michigan State was getting an outbreak, you know, a couple of weeks into practice. So there were a couple of Big Ten teams that were affected by this. But, you know, after about a month of practice time, you hope the players start following the rules, following the guidelines that the mm-hmm. CDC and their institutions have in place and that we minimize the number of players that have it and that we could have got on with the schedule that they announced, you know, less than a week or about a week. Before they announced that they weren't having the season or postponing the season. So they had a schedule out there. And I thought it was a pretty good schedule. They had, you know, each team had two bye weeks in there. They had flexibility for the Big Ten championship game to get pushed back those two weeks, even more, just in case something else came up. It was just 10 games instead of the normal 12 that we've seen, you know, in the past decade or so. So I thought it was, you know, reasonable and allowed for if a team tested positive for COVID and they couldn't play one week to give them that extra week or, you know, f- figure out when the, the bye weeks matched up so the teams could still play and get in all 10 games that they were
0: scheduled to play. Right. So, you know, we and I think ac- across the board, people are frustrated with the Big Ten's decision and they certainly were, were leading the way in. uh debating whether or not to have a season and then deciding not to. And they did this very quickly without waiting. And I saw somebody on Twitter say this, you know, all the big 10 has to do is wait. And one of the reasons why is because not every conference, you know, shut down, but another one that did decide to uh, make a pretty serious change was the PAC 12. You know, they, they were, saying we're going to postpone our season and hope for football in the spring. And that's another thing where, like, what's going to happen to these Pac-12 schools? They're, they're delaying their season. What's going to be the recruiting impact there? And uh, really what's going to be the long-term ramifications for, uh, for football or for college football in general as a result of this really weird season?
1: Yeah, and as for as much of backlash as we've heard from Big Ten players and coaches and teachers and not teachers and parents, there's been almost nothing from the Pac-12 players or anything like that. I've heard basically radio silence from them. They've seemed to, for whatever reason, just to have accepted that they're not going to play this fall and have to wait to spring. It seems like the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 or the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have been. step for step together in this most of the time. So maybe if the Big Ten announces something here in the coming days, in the coming weeks, that they're going to start their season in October or November, maybe the Pac-12 will also reconsider and start then. But um, for right now, we've heard nothing that they're, you know, they're even considering anything like this and the players really haven't pushed for it.
0: Yeah, and I, I wonder if one of the reasons why the players are in the uh in the Pac 12 are more accepting of this is simply because of the number of West Coast teams and how hard COVID-19 hit the West Coast. Uh now that being said, I like the idea that if if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 could somehow find a way to coordinate their seasons together, that way, you know, you, you still have two conferences going at it. And even if they aren't playing between each other. Being able to do something very, very akin to a bowl game between the uh, Big Ten and Pac-12, I think that would be a very unique and and pretty cool experience. And it would be a way to kind of put a put some uh, put some light into what's been a pretty bleak outlook for the season. Now, outside the Pac-12, we have the ACC and they have an 11 game schedule with one non-conference game. And that's going to be starting. What is that kill? Is that next Thursday? Yep. Next Thursday, I think Miami, Florida is the first team to play. Wow, that's crazy! Uh, Big Ten or not Big Ten? geez. Notre Dame is coming in as a is coming into the conference for this season, and I thought that was uh, I thought that was very interesting that Notre Dame or that a conference was willing to accept an additional school into their conference. What are you thinking the inspiration is for that? Do you think it's just the basketball connection?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, Notre Dame plays there for basketball, and I'm guessing for basically every other sport other than football, where Notre Dame is just you know their own team where they're hoping to get into the playoff by not having a a conference championship game. So that's what I would think it is. And Notre Mm -hmm. Dame, you know, they have some historic rivalries with Stanford, with USC, but a lot of them they also have, they play a lot of games against the ACC. So it's probably easier for them just to redo their schedule with only ACC games instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get into, say, the SEC or, or Big 12, one of the other two big or Power Five conferences that are playing this year. So I think it probably has something to do with that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like the move for Notre Dame and I, I appreciate that the ACC invited them in. Um it's just even though I'm I'm not like a huge Notre Dame fan by any stretch of the imagination, it would just feel weird to not have any Notre Dame college football because they couldn't find opponents this year. So, uh good for that. Uh, I saw that there are no divisions either in the ACC this year. What do you think the the reasoning is behind that? I guess it's because yeah, you had Notre
1: Dame, so I think they're at ACC's at fifteen teams now, so it'd just be hard to get two even divisions. So they're just going to take the top two teams with the best winning percentage this year. That make so those two teams will make the conference championship game. And seems like pretty much everyone is expecting that to be Clemson versus Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, exactly. some people are picking maybe Louisville or North Carolina to maybe sneak in there, but you know, Clemson and Notre Dame play during the regular season as one of their ten conference games, but a lot of people are expecting them to play again in the. Conference championship
0: game no love for Virginia though that that cuts deep Caleb Cavaliers had a good season last year uh, that was you know even though they lost to Clemson in the championship it was a it was a great season for them
1: Mm
0: -hmm. the the SEC because of their geographic location and because of of how a lot of those schools have been um, well and because of how close all those schools are geographically you know, I'm not too surprised that they are still going to go ahead with the 10 game schedule either. They're only doing the conference games and that's starting in late September. I think it's a good call that if you aren't going to, you know, like cut games, that you push it back a little bit just to gather a little bit more data on this virus. And, you know, the SEC, Caleb, you and I, we love college football and it feels like we live and breathe it. I mean, heck, we're, we're doing a college football podcast, but those, but the people in the SEC, they, they really are living and breathing it. So, Uh, I was not surprised whenever very early on it was clear that the SEC was going to be having football this year.
1: For sure. I mean, I think the only way the SEC wouldn't have played this year is if they were the only conference. And maybe even then they still would have played and said, hey, uh, college football playoff committee, just invite the top four SEC teams to make the playoff this year to make sure we have guaranteed another champion, another champion this year. So. Who knows? Something like that. And the thing they hear with them, they're only doing the conference games. A lot of these SEC versus ACC rivalries are not playing for the first time in years. Like, pretty sure one of them, maybe Florida versus Florida State, has played every year for over a hundred straight years. So. Whoa. This is, uh, yeah, a lot of these rivalries, mainly between SEC and ACC schools with how close they are geographically, you know, Georgia versus Georgia Tech. As I said, Florida, Florida State, you know, there's a lot of teams within the state, one in each one in each conference that, have, that play every year because of that. And they're going to not play for the first time in uh, at least 60 years or 80 years, you know, since World War II at least and wow. maybe even longer than that.
0: Yeah, so stupid COVID needs to go away. For many reasons, and we just got another reason for why to bring back the classic rivalries. Um, the last of the Power Five conference that we're going to look at here, Big Twelve, they're having a ten-game schedule with one non-conference game, and they are starting next Friday, uh, September twelfth. Big Twelve, you know, they're another they're another conference that because of their geographic location, so many of them in close proximity. Uh, not too, too surprised by this move either, Caleb.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much all those teams are obviously yeah, right there in the south central part of the country, with the exception of uh, West Virginia, who joined them, you know, recently after their departure from the Big East. So, yeah, not too far to move for a lot of these geographically. Obviously, the Big 12, they already play it, a nine game conference schedule. so. Doing this with ten games with one non-conference schedule that just basically means cutting off two games from their normal schedule for most of them, and just like you said, the SEC breathes, lives, and breathes college football. Yeah, I don't know how many uh, people in Texas could live without football for a year without Texas, Texas A&M, all these schools not playing. If they obviously Texas A&M being in the SEC, but all these schools, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, I don't know if they would have been able to survive the one year without college football, even if it would have been postponed to spring.
0: Yeah, it would have been a, it would have been a big cultural shock for them. And uh, so hopefully, you know, they all these schools are able to safely play these games. We can get this pandemic under control. And, you know, Caleb, I'm pretty sure that if I hear the word new normal used in like regular conversation again, I'm just going to throw up. I hate <laughs> that phrase so much. So, like, I'm not going to say new normal. I want us to get back to normal with these things. And I recognize some things will be modified and adjusted. But this whole, like, the, what people are anticipating it's going to be, I have a feeling it's not going to be too, too drastically different than what we were dealing with before the pandemic. Um, that being said, we also have the group of five conferences here, So, you know, we just looked at the power five and I just went on my little COVID diatribe. Uh Do you want to go ahead and break down how the group of five conferences are planning this upcoming season?
1: Yeah, so just like the power five conferences, we have two that have decided not to play and three that have decided to continue playing this fall the mountain west conference and the mac will not have football this year at least until the spring so no you know weekday mac no tuesday night football or wednesday night football from the mac unfortunately this year so if you enjoyed watching your tuesday or wednesday night football watching the mac you'll have to you know deal with something else this season on the other side the aac conference usa and sunbelt they're all playing eight conference games and up to four non-conference games so i don't think all four of these non-conference games are scheduled for most, if any of these teams Hmm. so far. So maybe they'll add them if the season starts to go well and the, and the number of cases go down in these, in these areas, and maybe they'll just stick to their eight conference games. If, um, if the numbers get worse and they're not able to, you know, travel quite as far. So Who knows how many games these teams will end up with Huda obviously seems like somewhere between eight and 12. And a lot of them, you know, are starting this weekend and we'll get to those games a little bit later. The big one I think obviously is the AAC, the American athletic conference. You know, we've had it be so close with them getting into the college football playoff um, in the past. Now with only three power five conferences this year playing this year, at least for now, that's got to be the best chance for the AAC
0: to get into the playoff this season, don't you think, Phil? I would, I would totally agree with you on that, Caleb. You know, there's like you said, you know, with with only three conferences in the Power Five, this has to be an opportunity. And honestly, I really do hope that the playoff selection committee will take that into account, the the unique opportunity that they have to, you know, kind of lend credibility to more of these schools because typically you look at the Group of Five conferences and you don't really think much of their of their athletic abilities, but and 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 you know, in most cases that's rightfully so. But if we can give some of these schools an opportunity to to participate in this, I think that we can really appreciate the sort of football that we're getting out of these uh, group of five conferences. Some of these schools are are you know a lot smaller, play with a lot of heart. Caleb, our t- our uh, our team of the show outside of Penn State is Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's in Conference USA they're going to be playing this year you know if, if a team like that can hit like a nine and and three record or in this case i guess it would be well yeah it would be like a nine and three if they get their 12 games you know, or even like a 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 something like that it would be it'd be nice to see them get a shot at either some really really good bowl games if bowl games are going to be a thing this uh winter or Or if a team like let's say a team like Western Kentucky or another school in the uh, group of five goes undefeated, let's give them that shot. You know, let's uh, let's not treat them like UCF who goes undefeated and then doesn't get to play in any sort of a a playoff there. Yeah. I mean,
1: obviously you would think the AAC is the best chance. Uh, UCF, as you said, they've gone undefeated before and been the closest and even declared themselves national champions. So they would, I would think have the best chance, you know, other teams like, Navy and Houston play in there. teams that have gained some credibility over the years and are, you know, generally ranked, you know, maybe near near the bottom of the top 25, but they're usually ranked at least by the end of the year. I think, I think at one point the AAC had like the second or third most ranked teams in the AP top 25 or the college football top 25 at some point last year after the sec and maybe the big 10, you know, yeah. that's when pac 12 was struggling a little bit. Big 12 was struggling a little bit outside of Oklahoma. So, You know, they've they've proven that they have several quality teams. It's just if one team would probably have to go undefeated, whether that's 8-0, whether that's 12-0, somewhere in between, they'd probably still have to do that and, you know, hope the SEC produces uh, several teams with multiple losses, you know. I don't know. I would think maybe an, a one-loss SEC team and an undefeated SEC team, you know, they would both might get in over an AAC team. So you gotta hope the SEC teams keep beating up on each other before you before you let an AAC team in, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, or you need those AAC teams to really have a decisive like decisive wins. And and that is like a you know, like a 56-14 sort of decisive win just to kind of assert their dominance in their in their own conference. That way the committee says, okay, so we know they can play ball really well here. Let's see what they look like against the power five team. And and that's really what it's going to be be coming down to. Um I'm not like super optimistic that any of these schools will get their shot at the playoffs simply because I think the the deck is stacked against, stacked against them. But certainly they would be they'd be a dark horse candidate and they'd be somebody they'd, they'd be somebody that everybody could uh could root for simply because they are they're a school that, if they get there once, that's probably their that's probably their shot. And so, um, it, it's it's kind of like whenever we get those teams in March Madness that nobody expects. Like, uh, what was it? Was it Saint John's a few years ago?
1: Yeah, It was uh, a Loyola, Loyola, Loyola Chicago. Yeah, yeah, Loyola. all the way went to the Final Four, I think.
0: Yeah. So getting getting some sort of shot like that would be would be nice to see. Kind of like whenever Butler, whenever they first started getting Mm -hmm. these crazy deep runs, VCU being another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, If we can see that happen in football, I think that's just I think that's fun. America and people in general love to root for the underdog. So let's let's actually throw an underdog in there every once in a while.
1: Yep. Yeah. So. Besides the teams that aren't playing in in the fall, at least you know maybe even not any season at all, there are individual players who have opted out. Uh, The first one, and he's supposed to be a potential first round pick: Virginia Tech quarterback Caleb Farley. He led the way, and that led to you know a, a. Pretty good rash of, you know, potential first round picks here that uh, have opted out of the season, including Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who won the Fred Bolitnikoff award last year, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase. You saw what he could do in the college football playoffs last year with uh, Joe Burrow as his quarterback. Miami defensive end Gregory Rousseau, who I've seen as a potential top 10 pick. I think even in one early mock draft, I saw him as the number two overall pick. So we know he's fighting up there with Micah Parsons for the top defensive player to go in the draft next year. Uh, the more recent one that I saw, Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks, which looms kind of large mm-hmm. um, with one of their with their, who's their other running back that transferred to Ohio State? Trey Sermon yeah so Oklahoma I'm sure they'll find a uh, plenty uh serviceable running back to play, but you know two of their top running backs from last year leaving for various reasons has to hurt them a little bit. Uh, the one I just saw today, Georgia quarterback Jamie Newman, who just transferred in from Wake Forest, he has opted out. So that leaves Georgia pretty short on quarterbacks, too. You know, they used to have uh, Jake Fromm, who was drafted, Jake Eason, who was drafted this past year, also, and Justin Fields, who's obviously now on Ohio State. They had all three of those guys, and now they're all gone. So that's why they brought in someone like Jamie Newman, and now he's decided to opt out of the season, too. And then finally, the one that cut deepest to our hearts, Penn State linebacker mm-hmm. Micah Parsons you know obviously these are just some of the notable names plenty of other players have opted out i think i just saw 10 players or 12 players from south florida have decided to opt out for the season so that's a big chunk of players i don't know how many of those were key players but um you know players are taking their health seriously especially ones that are expected to be drafted you know within the first round or two of next year's draft
0: right and you know you've mentioned first caleb farley starting at the virginia tech cornerback and I have to imagine this wasn't a decision made lightly. I think pro football focus had uh, had Virginia Tech's defensive backs as the top ranked in the country at like over a 99, which is – I mean, it, it's unheard of. And so then to see all these other players that are making these decisions to opt out, I have to think part, part of Micah Parsons' decision to opt out and, and these other ones is – how meaningful is the football going to be this year? Now this isn't like a normal season where you're going to be able to go and compete and potentially compete in bowl games or the playoffs or a national title. This is, I mean, we don't know what week to week is going to look like. We don't know if in all of a sudden in October, you know, Mark Emmert makes a decision from his ivory tower that everything has to be shut down and, and closed and it's all over. So rather than risking the potential of getting hurt in a season that, um, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it does matter for these for these athletes. But in a season where where the worth is not is not what it usually is, save your body and if you have the opportunity to change your life and being and go to the pros and get all this money to change not only your life but your family's life, you know, that you gotta do what's right for you. And that's why whenever we we saw Micah Parsons make the decision to opt out, it sucked and And, like you said, you know it cuts deepest to our heart, but I respect that decision and and Caleb, I know you do too because we want we want these these young men to be successful in what they do, and we don't want something like covid nineteen to stop what could be potentially uh potentially phenomenal careers and and really take away an opportunity that could change lives,
1: yeah, I mean you can believe what you want about if these players actually get paid or not from the university, you know, they get their free education and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But in, for all we know, these guys are playing games for free and to play a game for free when there's a serious health risk out there. I mean, obviously you can always go out there and tear your ACL or, Mm -hmm. you know, get a concussion that ruins the rest of your life and you never, maybe never get to play football again. But, you know, this is something serious that, you know, we've basically shut down the country for for months now and, so I understand and respect everyone's decision who's decided to opt out for this season, whether it's for, you know, your own personal gain in the NFL draft this year or maybe next year, or if, you know, you just want to sit out this year and come back next year, you know, maybe you're only a freshman you and you just want to do that. So you're better off next year and you don't want to, you know, and think, um, you can play as many games as you want this year and it can kind of still count as your red shirt year. Mm-hmm. And you know, you don't use it. You lose a year of eligibility, but maybe you still don't want to play and risk tearing your ACL. And, you know, as you said, what could be a meaningless game at the end, you know, come next week, come next month, come by the end of the year, who knows? So right. You got to respect-, respect. Yeah. Gotta go respect ahead. these des- players decisions. And, you know, shame on anyone that, you know, is tweeting at them death threats or anything like that.
0: Yeah. And, and I, that frustrates me too these are these are kids um, and and what you said as well with uh, another year, I mean especially for running backs, guys like Kennedy Brooks, every year that you are running the ball, you are putting miles on you're putting miles on your treads and uh, miles on the tires, so like every extra year that you are running there's going to be a there's going to be a concern and that's why guys like Jonathan Taylor whenever he went into the pros people have already been starting to wonder how long is he going to last because he ran so much for Wisconsin. Well, if you're running an extra season that you don't necessarily have to, meaning like you don't need to run it because your team's not competing for anything or just because there's so much uncertainty, I mean, save your legs, save your feet for a day whenever you can be making millions instead of that instead of that college education, yeah, and I was glad you brought that up, Kill, because yes, they are provided with a college education, and that's why in many cases, whenever I hear, um, whenever I hear people talk to athletes about stuff, I'm like, yeah, I, I know they get that, but I also know that the universities and the conferences are making a ton of money, and if we want to look at what equitable pay looks like, it just it doesn't match up to the product that guys like Micah Parsons. Even looking at players like last year, Joe Burrow got like, does Joe Burrow deserve the same amount of, of like payoff as somebody who goes to another university and rides the bench all year? Eh, maybe not, you know, um, but mm-hmm. that's just me. And again, I know there are going to be people that, that would disagree with me, but I'm standing by Caleb. <laughs> Yeah. And you brought up the running
1: backs. Just look at this week, Leonard Fournette just got cut by his team. The team that drafted him what third or fourth overall sure. three years ago, you know, part of that's probably a financial decision. Part of that's the Jaguars, you know, I think want to be bad this year and get the best chance of getting uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in for the draft for next year. But, you know, still they, they drafted a running back in the top five. He was touted, you know, maybe as the next Adrian Peterson and, it just never worked out. He was inefficient. He wasn't as good in the NFL as he was in college. And he wasn't really, I don't think as good in college as he was in high school. You know, that's just what you said, you know, keep the tread off the tires if we can, especially if you're running back.
0: Yeah. Now, Kale, we also have, and we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up a little bit. Um, we, we've seen a lot of different things going on in the media. And, and one of the recent social movements has been the Black Lives Matter movement gaining a lot of uh social capital if you will a, a lot of conversation it, it seems like you you know it seems like you can't scroll through a twitter feed or turn on the news without seeing some sort of reference to something occurring and we've seen a lot of stuff about what the pros have been saying what the pros are doing and you and I talked before the show and before we started recording and we said that we haven't really heard much from college athletes so I'm kind of curious and and I'm glad you wrote this down in our notes are you predicting a, a large amount of uh, a large amount of players kneeling for the, for the national Anthem this year?
1: I'm not just cause you know, I haven't, you know, we haven't heard too much, you know, if, if players want to, that's good for them. And I'll, I won't say anything negative about any of those players that do anything like that. If a whole team wants to go, go right ahead. If the whole, you know, if every single team wants to do that, that's fine. But yeah, I just don't expect it right now. Maybe come week one, this this Saturday and we see a lot of maybe we'll see a lot of players doing it and I will and I'll change my mind and you know we'll see all of Alabama do it in uh, in a couple weeks when they play their first game but as of now you know I'm not expecting too much just because I haven't heard anything too much on the front you know we've heard um saquon barkley say after the nba and nhl and all these other pro sports canceled or postponed their games for a couple days the giants are considering doing the same thing they said for week one they're maybe not considering they said they haven't ruled it out so i wouldn't expect that from the giants or any other any nfl team at the moment but you haven't even heard a a whisper of anything like that from college so that's why i'm not expecting too much at the moment
0: yeah i'm not really expecting much either um simply because what we see at the collegiate level we see much less political politicization uh i'm sorry my my tongue is tripping over itself right now but we don't see politics too heavily involved in a lot of these things and you know i think outside of like tim tebow tebowing and things like that we really haven't seen too much about any sort of like social um religious or um ethnic or, or any other sort of movements since then it's just not a common thing in college football now this is on un- these are uncommon times so who knows maybe we could see it and you know I will I'll be vulnerable enough to say that that I wrestled back and forth with um, with the decision of players to kneel during the anthem but I also recognize that in our government and as a history teacher back whenever the framers built the Constitution they gave a right to protest you know you have a you have that constitutional right. And if you choose to do that by kneeling during the national anthem, you're, you're going through your, you're going through your democratic rights. These are rights that were, that were written down, that the government cannot take away from you. And so I think that this, this constant need to ostracize people and make this a divisive issue is a shame. You know what, what we really want it to be about at the end of the day is we want Dr. King's dream of, 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 you know, black and white and every other creed of people being able to work together. We want to be able to see the people be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And, you know, we we've made and you know, we've made progress since then, but that it's not enough. And so figuring out how we're going to balance all of that, um, you know, it, it's something that people that have the ability to influence that they're They're going to do that so again you know we will see what ends up happening i don't know if any other demonstrations i don't know if if you do either but if you don't you know we can go ahead and uh, dive right back into some good old penn state football here for for a hot minute
1: yeah obviously penn state's not playing right now there's no schedule for them to play at the moment hopefully there will be soon hopefully we'll get to talk about them within the next month or so here but just to go back to last season real quick, you know, they finished 11-2, including 7-2 in the conference. They finished off with that huge Cotton Bowl win over Memphis mm-hmm. where guys like Micah Parsons and Journey Brown really, you know, put a stamp on their season and really finished it off with a bang. You know, it was great to see performances from those guys. And, you know, I it made I think it helped their stock in the NFL draft rise even more. You know, mm-hmm. we Micah Parsons was a five-star recruit, but, you know, now he's being considered, you know, Know, top 10 maybe even top five in the nfl draft for next year i've yep. seen some some guys have journey brown as you know as high as their number one running back in next year's draft class you know with penn state not playing at the moment i think it's going to be hard for him to actually get up to that number one spot if if they're allowed to play maybe journey brown gets up there with um with his explosiveness with his running ability you know he was great the last what five or six weeks of the season and hopefully we'll get to see that soon
0: yeah, and, you know, bring on the Kane train. I love Noah Kane. Love to see him play more, too. But, yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about it as we get closer to the, to the Penn State. Uh, or as we get closer to uh, oh, to the time that Penn State starts playing. But in the meantime, you know, just know that we, we liked how last season ended in a bowl game victory. That's always a great feeling, and uh, we're looking forward to what's in store next. Now, that being said, we are usually a, a podcast that talks about all college football, but with a particular focus on Penn State because we, we love that team a lot. With COVID-19 occurring and with the Big Ten pushing back their season to who knows when, Caleb and I have been talking back and forth about what we wanted this podcast to look like for the fall. And so as we were pitching ideas back and forth, uh, we came up with the idea to have, get ready for this, Quarantines. teams So we're looking at some teams that we can root for Now this season and they could be teams That we already kind of casually root for And like or they could just be One out of left field but we're each Picking a team that, that we are going to Pretty closely follow As football returns this fall Just so we can talk about it analyze It and really just appreciate the game More and more so Caleb I don't know if you want to go first you want me To go first to talk about quarantine go for it. Okay. Cool. So uh, with me going first, and this is this did not take me long because this is a school that I really enjoy watching in general anyway. If they're on TV and Penn State's not, they're they're one of my go-tos. And that's Oklahoma. There's a lot to love in Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley has emerged as without a doubt one of the best offensive minds in the game. And he is a quarterback whisperer. I mean, he took a he took Jalen Hurts, a guy that was projected, I think, at one point fifth or sixth round, and got him drafted second round to the Eagles. And he was able to do that by working to the strengths of the team and, and working in a system that worked well for all sorts of players. We've seen Baker Mayfield have a lot of success, Kyler Murray with a lot of success as well. They're always this offensive power, and on both sides of the ball this year, they're bringing back a lot of experience. I'm seeing a lot of juniors and seniors on that depth chart. That's a good sign for them. They've got players that have played a lot of snaps, and so they're going to be able to work more and and make this machine that just dominates team after team even more well-oiled. So I'm really excited to see what's going to be coming out of Oklahoma. Their quarterback this year right now looks like Mordecai Tanner. The backup is presently Spencer Rattler. And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, he was the number one ranked quarterback in 2019 coming out of high school. Uh, Mordecai Tanner, whenever he came out, I think, and I read this somewhere and I'm going to forget now the exact placement, but he was like the number 11 dual threat quarterback. So we, we see a discrepancy there, but obviously Lincoln Riley likes what he sees in Mordecai Turner. Could just be that he's a year older, but yeah, um, it'll definitely be something to to watch this year is will we see a quarterback controversy if for the first time at Oklahoma Lincoln Riley doesn't get the the magical playmaker that he wants or is Mordecai Turner going to like blow the doors off this place and be scoring those like four or five touchdowns that we've grown accustomed to seeing out of Oklahoma quarterbacks. So I'm very excited to see that. There are obviously some concerns. And one of the concerns that I'll be looking at pretty closely is what are they going to do about this running back situation? And Kelb, you mentioned this earlier in the show, you know, Kennedy Brooks opted out of the season, Trey Sermon transferred to Ohio State. So they are theoretically going into this season with their number three running back. So what's the plan there? How are they going to how are they going to utilize that running back? To maximize their potential. What are they going to do to get them open or to help them hit open field? I trust Lincoln Riley in that regard. He's an amazing coach, and the team is great too. So I'm very excited to be, you know, kind of a kind of officially making them my quarantine of the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. Now, Caleb, I know that you have a separate team, and so I want to give you some time now to, you know, talk to us, talk to us about your quarantine team. Yeah. I am going with
1: the Tar Heels. That's right. University of North Carolina. Um, Mac Brown, he's always been one of my favorite head coaches, you know, going back to his days at Texas, um, led um Vince led with by Vince Young. He won that national championship and The greatest game I've ever seen, you know, of our lifetime, I think, over Mm -hmm. USC at the Rose Bowl to win the BCS national title game in 2005. That was a great game. Vince Young, what, 200 yards passing and 200 yards rushing in that game. Incredible performance by him. But uh, Mac Brown, he's been at North Carolina before. This is his second season in this second stint. But he was there from 1988 to 1997, so he had about a 10-year stint there before moving on to Texas and now returning to North Carolina. So he knows the region, he knows his recruits, and he got off to a with a great started off with a great one with Sam Howell, the freshman quarterback last year. Finished the year 61 and a half completion percentage, 3600 yards. 38 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. Good for him. Well, you know, with college, the rating can kind of go as high as they want it to go. 160.2 rating, so that looks pretty good. You know, probably not as high as guys like Baker Mayfield. I think he had, you know, closer to a 200 rating in his final season before he was drafted number one overall. But still, 160 in your in your freshman season, that's pretty good. You know, they just finished 7-6 and six last year. They won their bowl game, so they were 6-6 six and six in the regular season before going to the bowl game. But um, I want you to look at their losses from last year. At Wake Forest, lose by six. Appalachian State, lose by three. You know, and Appalachian State, we've seen them pull off the upsets. They seem to do one every year. Penn yeah. State escaped them just a couple years ago. Uh, they got North Carolina last year. Number one team in the nation, Clemson, one point loss. You know, they went for two late in the, late in the fourth quarter to try to win that game, which I think was a smart move. Didn't really? work out. I think it was a bad play call. But, um, you know, it didn't work out for them at Virginia Tech, two point loss in six overtimes, six overtimes, Virginia, seven point loss and at Pittsburgh, seven point loss again in overtime. So their largest defeat of the season was a seven point loss, mm-hmm. you know, one of those being in overtime. So this team, if they, you know, can figure out how to close out and win these close games, I think they're in you know, in a normal season for at least 10 wins, you know, this year only playing there's 11 games, you know, I don't think eight or nine wins is really out of the question. So mm-hmm. they can, I think easily, if uh, Notre Dame stumbles a little bit, I think they can be that surprise team that gets in as the second team in the ACC championship game. You know, maybe they lose to Clemson, but as we saw last year, they can hold Clemson down, held them to only 21 points. Clemson, that was early in the year, that was in September. Clemson, you know, didn't look like themselves at the early part of the year. They definitely picked it up towards the end before losing in the national t- in the national title game. But they've held with Clemson before, so they'll definitely you know have that have that confidence going into that into that game if they have to play Clemson again. So for me, it's North Carolina, and I'm excited for them to play this year.
0: Yeah, they should be another fun team to watch. So I'm glad we both pick fun teams. And um, so I think, and and this is a segment of, or a part of the show that Caleb and I are kind of working on. We're building this plane as we fly it, but I'm looking forward to us just talking about these two teams in particular and and seeing how they navigate this uh, this COVID season. So it's good stuff there, man. I like it
1: all right let's get into first off the recap from last week yes there was football last week it was fcs level football but the football is football there was one game central arkansas beat austin p i think that's how you pronounce it just p 24 17 austin p got off to a great start as their running back cj evans had a 75 yard touchdown run on the first play of the game first play of the season Central Arkansas responded there. They scored the game winning touchdown pass and two point conversion with 34 seconds left. And one thing I did notice there were 2,000 fans at this game. Uh, the stadium has a 25,000 seat capacity, so obviously nowhere near full. It's only about 8% full, but um, they did allow 2,000 fans into the stadium. I think this game was played in Alabama, from what I understand. So, you know, what do you think about that, Phil?
0: Yeah, um, Regarding the the fans in the stadium, I'm not in love with that simply because you know they, they may be able to separate at their seats, but as they are leaving, I mean we've been to stadiums before, Caleb. We know how packed that they can get, so uh, or like how how packed the the walkways can be. Even just two thousand people, that's still two thousand people. Hopefully, though, you know it's a uh, it's safe and. You know, they, they were able to compensate for that regarding the game itself. You know, I I did not watch this game, uh, but I think if you're opening up your season with a 75 yard touchdown run, that's pretty sweet. And uh, if you're the other team and you win your game by throwing a touchdown with 34 seconds left and converting a two point conversion, that's also pretty sweet. So it sounds like it was a really good game. The score indicates that as well. And even though we don't really follow the FCS on this podcast, this is, these are definitely going to be two teams now that, throughout the season, whenever I'm looking at the uh, at the bottom line on ESPN or ABC or wherever I'm watching college football, I'm going to be looking for those uh, for those two teams whenever they you know whenever they talk about FCS games.
1: All right, let's move on to our picks then. Who you got, Phil? First first week of the season. Obviously, we didn't yeah. get in picks last week. There's only that one game. Uh, you did win last year. It was very close. You won by two games. You know. And if you remember the Army-Navy game, I just went different just to try to tie it up. So it was really close last year. Hopefully we're in for another good year this year. And uh, there's not many games this weekend, so why not? Let's pick them all. Let's do it. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, if you're listening to this on a different day, Central Arkansas at UAB. Phil, who you got?
0: Oh, man. Ever since in 2017, they they brought back the University of Alabama, Birmingham's football team. How can you not pick the Dragons? You know, they've had they had a pretty good season uh, last year. And they've just as they've been rebuilding their football program, it's just fun to root for them. So I got UAB in this game. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I'm
1: going UAB, too. Obviously, Central Arkansas coming off that thrilling win last week. We'll have some momentum going into this game, but I think UAB is the better team, and I will pick them to
0: win this game. I like it. Now, the next game we got, Caleb, we have South Alabama at Southern Mississippi. This is another game that's going to be on Thursday. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm taking Southern Miss, you know. What are they, the Golden Eagles, something like that? Golden Eagles. Yeah, over the Jaguars, taking Southern Miss. Phil,
0: what about you? I mean, I think that we're going to see the Golden Eagles fly high in this game and pull off when Southern Miss is a school that that we've heard that at different points in, uh, I would say, maybe the last 20 years, they've they've found different degrees of success, and I don't really see uh, South Alabama being too, too challenging for them. Maybe they'll surprise us, but I also have Southern Miss.
1: All right, next one here, we got not Western Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, FCS level there at Marshall. Phil, who you got?
0: It's really tempting to, uh, you know, pick Eastern Kentucky because Marshall has a we are chant as well. But, I mean, I, I can't pick against Marshall here. I think that they're they have too much going for them as a historic organization or as a historic football team. And I think that they take care of business and they whoop up on Eastern Kentucky. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, I'm taking Marshall, too. They have some good alum, right? Randy Moss went there, Chad Pennington, I think. So they got some NFL talent on their team sometime. And I to Marshall,
0: too, there, too?
1: He may have. So who knows if they have any right now. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Marshall.
0: Yeah. Now, here's the real question, Caleb. Uh, are we going to disagree on any of these picks in the first week? or
1: <laughs> um, You'll see later on. We might, we might have one down there.
0: Okay, well, hey, let me grab this next game then too. We have Middle Tennessee at Army Caleb, who you got?
1: yeah, I'm going with Army, you know many teams don't really see you know the style that Army and Navy play most weeks, and I'm I'm guessing our Middle Tennessee hasn't seen it very often in there for most of these players in their young careers, so um even though you had all off season to prepare for it, if this game wasn't you know just scheduled two weeks ago, even if it was, I'm taking Army Phil who you got.
0: Yeah, I think Army is just in a different class compared to Middle Tennessee. Uh, was it last year that Middle Tennessee put was in some sort of really competitive game against a good school?
1: Yeah, I think it was.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it shows you the fact that like we can't remember who that school was or if it was last year. It just says Middle Tennessee is not really known for their success in football. So I've got Army in this game. I think they they come in, they run the ball. Who knows, Kill? Maybe they'll even throw like two passes. They could get crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, next one here, SMU at Texas State. Phil, who you got?
0: SMU. They are they are a school that is rising again. We know that historically they had a lot of big wins, uh, and was it it was last year, right? That game they went to SMU for a game, right?
1: Yeah, it was last year or two years ago. They had a big yeah. game against Houston or Navy, one of those teams. You know, the SMU another team in the AAC that if they can somehow find a way to go undefeated, we will definitely I think get a look at the college football playoff.
0: Yeah. So, you know, there's SMU versus Texas State, and no offense to the alums, I've never even heard of Texas State. So I'm picking SMU. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, I'm taking SMU here too. Even though they had that gap, uh, was it decades, without really any good football there, they're definitely returning to it now. Um, And uh, they've got some good talent, you know, back there again. So I'll take the Mustangs. Absolutely.
0: Now, let's look at this next game here. We have Houston Baptist at North Texas. Caleb, who you got?
1: I think I got an email from Houston Baptist when I was looking at colleges. You know, they (laughs) were trying to recruit me down there, but um, play basketball, yeah, something like that. But um, other than that, no, I've never heard really of Houston Baptist. Uh, Another podcast I listen to, a Rams-focused one, as I am a Rams fan, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the one guy there went to North Texas, he follows them. They're actually usually pretty good. You know, they usually put up 7, 8, 9 wins every year. And uh, so I will take North Texas in this one. Phil, how about you?
0: Yeah, I, this is another case where very similar to like Middle Tennessee at Army or SMU at Texas State. I just think North Texas is in a different class. And, you know, I don't think North Texas is in a best class, obviously. But I think they are definitely – able to go in and handle Houston Baptist. This sounds like a matchup that was made just so that they could have like two, two schools in Texas play against each other. So I have North Texas uh, winning this game pretty easily. I would say.
1: All right. Next up. We got Arkansas state at Memphis. Phil, who you got?
0: Well, you know, we we've seen a lot of different things out of Memphis last year, or we saw a bunch of different things out of Memphis last year. They're running back slash wide receiver slash quarterback. The Mr. Slash is playing for the Washington football team this year, uh, and it sounds like they are pretty interested in finding different ways to use him. Memphis was a very exciting team last year, and so even though their running back, Kenneth Gainwell, opted out of the season due to the COVID-19 pandemic, I still think there's enough talent on this team, and I think they're a well-coached team too, and I think they're they're going to be able to start their season 1-0 and against Arkansas State. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, I'm taking Memphis, too. Yeah, Antonio Gibson definitely getting some love on that Washington football team. Yeah, but there's also cool. a reason they had the number two pick. There's not much talent on that team. So getting a guy like Antonio Gibson, he probably does flash, especially versus a 40-year-old Adrian Peterson, however old he is now. Although Adrian Peterson still hit 1,000 yards rushing last year, which is quite an accomplishment.
0: And I think he's going to do it again with Dice out. Yeah, He'll he
1: very easily ball. could, yeah. So anyways, yeah, I'm taking Memphis in this game probably pretty easily,
0: so yeah. All right, so let's look at this next game, Caleb. We have Stephen F. Austin at UTEP. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm going with Stephen F. Austin. Um, I was looking through these games, looking at some of like the matchup stuff on ESPN, you know, the line, the odds to win the game, and Stephen F. Austin, you know, right around 30% chance to win here, so they're definitely the underdogs in this game, but... There were a couple I was looking through here. There were a couple other teams that were right around thirty percent, but I felt best for some reason about Stephen F. Austin. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah. So finally, we we don't agree on every pick. Uh, I've got University of Texas El Paso, you know UTEP here. I think UTEP is a school that they they're like a school of of pretty okay, in that you know they're pretty okay at football. Um, Stephen F. Austin. I know that they've had some games where you know, we've looked at the score and been like, wow. They put up that many points against so and so, but I don't think they start the season off like that. So I think I'm I'm picking UTEP in that game myself.
1: All right, and the big game. Now supposed to be a much bigger game, but we'll we'll take it anyways. Labor Day Monday night, BYU at Navy.
0: Phil, who you got? I I just can't pick BYU. Uh, I think Navy is a is a team that they're able to put together such a dominant rushing game and a school like like BYU early in the season I don't think they're built to be able to fight against Navy and their strong rushing attack so I've got Navy winning this one I think it'll be a fun game to watch uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it Caleb, know who you got
1: yeah I'm taking Navy here too you know they had a they had a really good year last year they were uh, what I think they finished up with ten wins, something like that. Easily ranked. I think at one point they were the highest ranked AEC team, but just missed out on getting to that New Year Six bowl game as Memphis beat them out for that. I think Memphis beat Navy, so that's maybe I think why it happened. But um, yeah, you know, it's not a ranked team versus ranked team, although both these teams may be ranked by the by the next poll when they knock out all the all the Big Ten and Pac twelve teams. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Navy will win. I think I read somewhere that BYU is the only team west of Texas playing football in the fall as of right now. So, hmm. good for them, I guess.
0: Yeah, there you have it. Well, hey, uh, so those are our picks, but we also like to make picks regarding what we think, uh, at least on the first episode, we like to talk about what we think the end of the season is going to look like. And make some playoff picks. So Kilb, I want to go ahead and give you my playoff predictions and then uh, I want to hear yours. And uh, then, you know, before we know it, we'll be getting ready to be done our first podcast of the season. So this has been good. Uh, so my four teams this year, I have Alabama in there and, and that's one of, I have two, I have two schools that I'm, I feel fairly confident in and two that I'm kind of up in the air about. And one of my up in the air schools is is actually Alabama because we have seen that even though it's not common for them to lose, they can do it. And after how many years that they've dominated college football, you know, I just have to think that eventually there's going to be a season where they finish ranked like seventh or eighth. And I think this could be the season uh, if they, if they are not as dominant as they usually are. I do think they get into the playoffs. I I do actually think they'll be in the top four, but they're one of the schools that I'm not too, too confident in. Uh, I got Clemson in there. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence's last year, and he's, he's just too good for me not to think Clemson's going to be competing for another national title. I've got Oklahoma in there because of what Lincoln Riley does. Hopefully, they put up a better performance than they did against Joe Burrow and LSU. And then my last is Georgia, and Georgia's my other, mm, I'm not too sure about school. And it's because of reasons that like you brought up, Caleb, in that Who's going to be their quarterback, or rather, how good is their quarterback going to be? Lost a lot of depth this year. DeAndre Swift, their running back, leaving, so they got a new tailback in there. That being said, you know they they breed they breed running backs like bulldogs. Uh, see what I did there? But uh, I'm not totally sold that they're going to be in the top four. But at least for now, if I'm if I'm going to be planting my flag and staking it, uh, I'm going to say I'm seeing Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Georgia in. As my four playoff teams. Who are you thinking for your four?
1: Yeah, I think you gotta start with Clemson. You know you know, my quarantine is North Carolina, who you know maybe it will give them a run. Notre Dame's in the conference this year. Might have two shots at Clemson to be Clemson this year, but Trevor Lawrence, they didn't win last year. I think uh Clemson and Dabo Sweeney are gonna come back with a vengeance and pretty easily, I think, go undefeated during the regular season. Mm -hmm. Um, next up, definitely before I heard the Jamie Newman opting out news, I felt really good about Georgia being in there, obviously a little bit less so now, but I'll keep them in there. I still think they're a really good team. Um, I think even sometimes in, in recent memory, they've been getting the number one overall class recruiting class over Alabama, just be just with all the depth that Georgia gets the state of Georgia gets with all their football recruits. So I think They may even have more talent than Alabama. Next up, going with a little bit of a wild card here. I'm going with Texas over Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, they're the quarterback gurus there, but this is probably their least heralded guy since at least Baker Mayfield, maybe even before that. So I'm going to give Texas a shot to finally beat Oklahoma this year and be that Big 12 representative.
0: Mm. And
1: finally, I'm going Florida. So in my scenario here, Georgia is going to beat Florida in the regular season, and then Georgia will beat Alabama in the SEC title game. And I'm guessing the Georgia-Florida game will be closer, so they'll take Florida over Alabama, or maybe Alabama will get a second loss in there somewhere and knock them out of the playoffs. So that's how I'm going to get my two SEC teams in there from the same side of the conference, which we've seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, when there's the BCS national title game, the rematch between Alabama and LSU. They were obviously yeah. both in the Western Conference of the SEC, but these two teams are from the Eastern Conference. I think they're by far the best two teams in the SEC East, so they should be able to easily beat the the rest of their teams and their opponents. It's the cross-divisional matchups that you know could get a little tough if they're playing LSU or Auburn or Alabama too many times. You know That could lead to some defeats, but I'm going to take Georgia and Florida
0: along with Texas and Clemson. I like it. Well, hey, Caleb. Uh, so we have our picks for the playoffs now. We've made our picks. Uh, you know, and we've done a lot of chit-chatting about college football. I was just wondering before we start to sign off, are there any any words of wisdom or any other thoughts that, we, that you want to share that we didn't get to tonight?
1: Yeah, just uh, stay safe, wear your mask, and stay social distance so we can get through this sooner.
0: Yeah. So again, thank you so much for listening. It's great to be back for another season. Uh, we're hoping that that as you listen to us, you're you're listening to us on the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like what you're hearing, you know, share it out with your friends. We we love talking about college football, and while we aren't the the professionals that you're going to find on a lot of the media, we hope that we're just some relatable guys that love talking about this sport and that you enjoy listening to it as well. So again, thank you all so much for listening and. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.